It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Want to speak to Malagi O'Doherty now? This is to steer us in the direction of where we might be going with regards to, to Brexit. It could sti- I hope <laughs> It could still be Theresa's deal, Malagi. Well, it could be. I mean, I suppose the calculation is that um, way, or she's thinking that when people have looked at uh, the alternatives, uh, for instance, the tariff deregulation in, in Ireland, or and the uh, uh, you know, and the prospect of uh, crashing out with no deal, that they'll panic at the last minute. This kind of fulfills the prophecy that others were making that she was running down the clock, squeezing the thing so tight that ultimately in the end they would panic and grab that as the only raft that was available to get them through a storm. And and that may be right, you know, that that, uh, that may work. I mean, uh, you know, I, I it would be an incredible turnaround that, you know, uh, you would reverse uh, a defeat of, uh, what, 149 votes. Uh, but, but she is calculating in that possibility. I'm kind of interested in... Um, the question I'm asking myself is where does the anger go for this, you know? Uh, if you look back at past periods of, of kind of trauma in the British economy and British political life, you look at the Thatcher era and the, the collapse of employment in the industrial sector there, you've got a kind of a, a rebound there with the unemployed youth and the punk movement and uh, and the anger in the trade unions and so on. And then when you, uh, uh, you got the austerity of the uh, of the 2008 period, I think you've got Brexit as a kind of expression of the anger of that, the frustration built up. And you wonder where does the next wave of anger go when people realise the, how they've lost out? Because the one certain thing that's coming out of this now is total polarisation. Theresa May had been trying to work a kind of middle path, get a soft deal, uh, deal with her red lines in terms of movement of people and so on, but essentially not a full-on, uh, you know, uh, red-blooded uh, Brexit and, and, and not remain either, somewhere in the middle. And what we're moving towards is, uh, is the collapse of that option, uh, and that leaves either the full-on, uh, totally out of no deal, or just scrap the whole plan. And either way, if, if it's one of those outcomes, whichever one it is, then half the country is going to be just completely demoralized, completely uh, feeling betrayed, a sense that what they voted for has, is not attainable for them. And, uh, and you have to wonder where, how, how are they going to express that? Uh, you also have to wonder with the uh, fragmentation of the big parties, both Labour and the Conservatives, you know, 
how do they put themselves back together after this? Aside from the major calamity that you might have with a collapsed economy uh, or the miracle of, of world trade, you know, if you, if you see that possibility, but aside from those uh, monumental outcomes, you've got these more, uh, more gradual political and cultural outcomes, which I think have the potential to, to completely reshape our political and cultural life. The people who would feel most betrayed, however, are the 17 point whatever million who voted to leave if we don't leave. Ah, that's it. That's it. And, and many, of those who, many of those who want this to work uh, in some way, you know, are saying, you know, that... Um, uh, you know, yes, yes, focus on the economic problem, but you also have to look at the democratic deficit. You have to look at the possibility that that a huge swathe of the population will simply be disillusioned with the prospect of of democracy working for them. And 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 I think you're absolutely right in that. That that is what I'm saying. That is the that is the the hidden cost of this whole trauma, uh, of this whole delay, and and this whole confusion. The hidden cost is just. Uh, uh, that 17 million people and how, and how they will respond to it. Now, some of them may say, I voted leave, but I didn't realize it was this complicated, um, and therefore I'm okay. But others are going to be saying, look, we voted leave. Leave means leave. Uh, there's no way that uh, Theresa May's deal represents leave as I envisaged it at that time. I meant what I said. And, uh, and, and, you know, and you say to them back, well, you know, you meant what you said. You meant, but do you realise what this does to the economy? Says, yeah, 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 yeah. I do. That's you know. I mean, when India went for independence, when Ireland went for independence, when uh, when the African countries broke away from British rule uh, in the sixties and the wind of change and everything, they did it in the full understanding that there would be huge economic uh, uh, price to pay. And for some people, this is Britain's declaration of independence, and they're willing to pay the price of that. And, I mean, I think it was even G. Gabriel Mogg who said, you know, that it might take 50 years for the full benefits of, of Brexit to be realised. And that's his vision. You know, he, he, he you know, he, it's, it's not going to hurt him very much in the pocket. But that's his vision, you know, that this is a huge long-term project and it is about British independence and, uh, and, and therefore there is a price to be paid for that. And if people feel that and if people genuinely believe that, and they feel it with the passion that an independence movement usually brings to its its demands, then they are going to feel betrayed. And they're not just going to, uh, you know, wrap it up and say, oh, well, we, we had to go and we lost, you know, because in many ways that campaign to get out of the European Union was a long campaign over a period of decades. And it will carry on, you know, uh, to... Uh, to uh, you know, interfere within and contaminate the political life of the country for for decades more. That is a, an overview and a half for a question that uh, I, I put. But Malachi, uh, thank you. Do stay with me. Uh, Alex Kane is is on the line as well. Um, Alex, just getting back to what's going to be happening today and into tonight. Um, do, do do you see us on a, on a pathway to some satisfaction for the prime minister? I- I, do you know, Frank, I, I genuinely don't know. The, la- the last time you and I talked, I think it was about two weeks ago, it was after the last vote, and I said what seemed to me that the main thing now that everyone was focused on was getting a no deal off the table. We thought, some of the evidence was last night, 
that that was the case, but now we're hearing this morning an awful lot of uh, the Remainers are complaining that, you know, that hasn't been the Prime Minister's changing the rules as, as she goes along. I think what we're saying here is, is it's a coming together of three things here, Frank, because she does, whatever else, she, I mean, she must be in a miserable position. She must be miserable psychologically. This is a horrendous place to be. Everywhere she goes, in the House of Commons, outside, she's beaten around the head by people going, you have no idea what you're doing. I think what she is trying to do, what we've seen in the past few days, we've had the DUP are suddenly been told, oh, well, there'll be, you know, there'll be no border, but there'll be no tariffs from the south, so they'll be able to send all their stuff up, up to Northern Ireland, but there'll be tariffs the other way. We might be stuck with a backstop in which Northern Ireland will be permanently left in some sort of limbo land. Um, there'll be, or else that we had, uh, what's his name, Michael Gove yesterday said, oh, well, we might have to introduce direct rule, which in fact is a message to the DUP. There's you know, 28 MLAs who won't have a job and all the office staff and things like that. And everything you said you had built towards the past 10 years, stability, strong government, and all going down the tube. He's saying, she's saying to the ERG, well, listen, I know you don't like my deal. I know there are difficulties with it. But the way things are going, if Parliament falls into the hands of the Remainers, you're not going to get Brexit at all. And she's saying to the... Um, to uh, the the remain people, you know, she's saying, you know, look, unless you settle down a little bit, and and, and just try and come on board with me, we're going to end up, we're going to crash out. Something I don't want to do, but we'll end up crashing out. So basically, she's saying to all these these three big blocks, right? She's telling them all, look, there's not much here. I accept that, but the 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 worst possible scenario for you is also possible. So why don't you just take the best? What is it? The the the, the Louis McNeese thing. Go for the the, the, the authentic mammon rather than the bogus god. I think she's still trying to do that. I think that's why she's talking about this third meaningful vote that somehow, miraculously, everybody will just go. It's like the Good Friday Agreement. You and I talked about this last time as well. Two or three days before the Good Friday Agreement was signed, all the signs coming out, all the messages from the parties were, it's not happening. George and going up his Easter break, it's not happening. And just not quite literally in the last 18 hours, Frank, People go, well, if he doesn't, if he does go, he mightn't come back. What happens if they, if we break up now, will we come back to where we were? Could it be worse? And suddenly everybody, oh, look, just sign, just sign. And I just think, I just think that's exactly what May's trying to do. But the, 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 the logic of her position, Frank, is that she ends up, she, she can say, yes, I got a deal, hurrah, can I resign now? But she also ends up with the worst possible outcome for everybody, including uh, as Maliki says, not only the 17 million odd who voted to leave will say, this is not leave. It'll also be the 17 million or so who didn't vote leave will say, hang on a minute, you know, what exactly, how, this is a constitutional granny flag, are we actually any worse or better off than we were? Okay, so how, it's, it's just, but how then, how then does she square the backstop circle with the DUP or how does she get a form of words on that for the DUP who seem to be softening to some extent over the last 24 hours and some of the things that they've said even in relation to listening to Arlene Foster in, in America? How, how does she get them to buy into the, what is her deal when they were one of the main ob- objectors to her deal? Because in essence, she, she gives them no choice. I, I think Malik and I had this discussion in another program about 18 months ago. Um, there, there comes a point for the DUP who, I mean, we saw last night. Last night was in, in, in Structor Frank. Even with their support, she didn't win. So she now has to calculate how, how far does she need to go for them. Because even in the second vote, if she's got the DUP, you know, the, the DUP were on board, it still wasn't enough. So she, she, that's part of her new calculation. How much do I have to give them? But the DUP have to factor in as well the way demographics are shifting inside the parliament. There is probably, as their big fear, 
is that we're heading towards a situation in which there could be a majority. I'm not saying it's definite, but there could be a majority which keeps the backstop in the worst possible form for them, which gives them an enormous problem. What do they do? Do they suddenly, you know, hang on, we're abandoning the government. But, you know, they, they can't move anywhere. And the other thing, I saw this again, Frank, and this is as you get older, the experience and, and memory comes back. I saw this in in. in 98, you know, when the referendum went through, when the assembly went through, DUP had a big choice to make. They There were 28 anti-agreement, 28 pro-agreement, a couple of the middle of the Elsians who weren't sure where they were going. That moment, the DUP had the chance to bring down the assembly. They could have walked, they would have forced Trimble out. But they looked at the reality, they talked, they realised they would not be allowed to go back to the drawing board. They wouldn't be allowed to re- reconfigure it and start everything again. And basically, they folded into the assembly like, how do we get a better deal? I think you say they're softening now, and the language is softening, because they've suddenly begun to realise that if Theresa May has to make a choice between getting a deal, even though that means bringing over Remainers, she has to make that choice, which is what, what Labour is acceptable to Labour and the Scottish Nationalists, and a choice between keeping the DUP happy, but way not be a deal which is acceptable to the European Union. As sure as eggs is eggs, Frank, she will back the, the, she will back if she has to back that backstop and and annoy the DUP. She will because even okay. with their support, she can no longer guarantee she can get something through. Okay, uh, Alex, uh, thank you. And a final word from you, Malachi. Are, are the DUP slipping out of the limelight, slipping out of pole position to the extent that they could become irrelevant? Well, if uh, if the plan of some of the Conservatives to get Labour on board, to get across the House and get a Labour. Uh, commitment to a revised deal. If that works, then there might be less of a need for those DUP votes. They might be sidelined. I think the DUP also has to understand and must be thinking about the fact that, uh, you know, there's a price to pay for this back home as well. Because, you know, if uh, the, you know, if the tariff arrangements show that effectively you have disadvantaged Northern Ireland by avoiding the backstop and so on, and if uh, uh, people here, you know, who have already said that they like the May deal, you had the Ulster Farmers Union, you had the Confederation, the, the, you know, the Federation of Small Business and so on, all coming out and saying, actually, we like this, and the feeling undermined by the DUP. The DUP at some time have to come back home to where politics uh, is, is centred for them. Uh, they're going to lose their advantage after another election in Westminster. They'll be out of the big uh, game that they're playing, back into the local and they're going to be told when they come home, if you like, you know, you, 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 you messed this up for us. You know, we're not very happy about what you did. And, and who knows what the price might be within our structured sectarian politics. It may not be much of a price at all because people will go to one side or the other as they always have done. Or it may be that, uh, you know, we'll not be seeing the assembly back. Uh, the only politics that will be left to them will be local government. And in a year, five years from now, they may be in a much more humble position, factoring in the demographic shift as well. And there will be little thanks for them for the way they conducted themselves during this campaign. Lots of choppy waters still to come, regardless of how we look at it. Another busy Brexit day across at Westminster. Maliki O'Doherty and Alex Kane, thank you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.